So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. Bit of a different episode this week because obviously there's been no rugby. There has been quite a bit of rugby news though and Ian and I will talk to you about that. As always you can find us on social media. Yep, so on Facebook it's simply Folk on Falcons, or well, sorry, at Folk on Falcons, um, you'll see our faces. Twitter it's the same of at folk on falcons and if you'd like to send us an email direct it's folk on falcons at mail.com um first things first i got uh, some communication from some fans in arizona so big hello to helen and poppy hope you're well and glad to hear from our overseas contingent in the last fortnight we've had to put up with football and i think we'll all be relieved when the rugby's starting again if you're a newcastle united fan because it's been actually dire trying to watch that the last few weekends but um yeah it's a bit of a shame that we couldn't have any matches uh, Obviously, French government banning all travel from Britain meant that the European Cup couldn't be played and therefore no rugby in the calendar. Um, there were some calls from people like Pat Lamb and a couple of other coaches who wanted games to con- or be brought forward into the, the intervening period. But um, I think logistically it was a bit too much for everyone to reschedule things at such short notice. So I think the first thing we need to talk about is Falcons actually playing rugby. Next match we're up against is London Irish. Do you want to give us the, the lowdown of when, where? Yeah, so it's, of course, we're away at the new Brentford Community Stadium. Um, it's on BT Sport 2, I believe, uh, half two on Sunday afternoon. Um, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we suspected that it would be our next game. Um, it's one I would expect us to win. And the emphasis is, I think, probably the first time this season, is actually on us as favourites. But right off London Irish at your peril because um, their last game against Harlequins they looked really good especially with ball in hand they racked up a lot of points and I think we do have to be very very careful and they do have a very good kick in Paddy Jackson who will punish us if we're relapsed you know if, if, if our discipline just isn't there um, but I do expect us to come away with a win which will be nice. Yeah it'll be interesting how the, the two squads have coped with the couple of weeks off but like you I think we we should be favourites this one. And if I'm honest, I think that if we don't come away with a bonus point, when are we actually going to get one this season? It's it's certainly one of the times when you, you mark them down as this is a chance to get five points. Yeah, it is absolutely. I think certainly for the first time this season, not only can we count ourselves as favourites, but we should be looking for the five-pointer. I mean, there's the home games towards the end of the season with Worcester and London Irish where you would almost certainly be absolutely looking to get the five points um but yeah i think this is a real opportunity for the first time this season to to get that five points and to kind of as i said we just kind of throw down the gauntlet in terms of you know we are going to be a top four side we can dispatch teams like london irish away and get five points and we can keep momentum going and we will finish in the top four yeah um we're going to talk about it a bit later on but we've obviously got a couple of england players or a couple of international players i should say are they going to be affected? Will London Irish have similar issues, do you think? I don't think so. I don't think they've had a um, particularly large amount of international selections, have they? Um, it, I don't think so. I think we're actually going to be more affected by international selection than they are. Um, some of the listeners can sort of correct us while listening to this, perhaps. But um, And the fact that, of course, our international selections are all in the same position might well hamper us. Uh, but I'm hoping that the squad is still strong enough and is in good enough form to kind of get past that yes so i think um it's gonna be a, a nice resume to rugby but we've got to wait all the way till sunday for that a couple more newcastle united matches we can watch in the meantime and get all miserable about and then we can be over the moon when the falcons get a five-point victory fingers crossed 
big goings on at Kingston Park. I think um, the main one we need to talk about is Mike Brown. Um, it seems like our our scouts that had fed back to us that he might be on his way. Correct. And we, I'm not quite sure. If, have we got a definite start date for him yet, or is it as of next season? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think the longer this goes on, I think the more it looks likely that it is one for next season. I think he still has his contract is obviously still running for this season. Um, and the latest article I saw, which again was from the rugby paper, so it, they're the ones who kind of broke the story and it's fairly credible, um, is that it's for next season. And I think, as I say, the longer it goes on, the more I'm inclined to believe that. And I guess that probably does make sense. When, when he does eventually arrive, whether it's this year or next year, um, I think it'll be a very good addition to the squad, even if he doesn't, I know he's getting on here, I think he's 35 and he'll be 36, not too long. Um, his experience at an international level, once again, he's one of these players where he's still got it at the highest level. You still see him for Harlequins week in, week out, putting in performances and being one of the, the better players on the pitch quite often. So he might be just one of these players where his career keeps going on and age is just a number. Yeah, well, I mean, we spoke about it because we stood in there when this sort of story first did the rounds. Um I mean, my view is still the same, is that he'll be a really good addition because of experience, and he still has the quality. I mean, that's clear to see. Um, And it's in a position where we're not terribly strong in as well. I mean, we talked obviously before, we've had problems in previous games where it's a bit of a weak link. Um, And we've already got Penny and Arscott there, and, you know, occasionally Holshin can go in there, and they're not... You know, in terms of the quality of options there, they vary. Um, I think Brown would be a really, really solid addition. Um, I mean, I think we can look back. Okay, it's a bit in the distant past now, but Matt Burke. I mean, obviously when Matt Burke came, he was obviously getting towards mid late thirties by the time he got here and played here. Uh, but he was absolutely superb. I mean, one of the best players I think we've ever had, not just by reputation, but in terms of the performance the performances he put out every week. Um so I think that's the sort of benchmark we can look at. And I don't think in this case age is really gonna be it's just a number really. I think if he replicates the performances he's even currently doing now at Parliquins, I think we do have ourselves a really, really good signing. And um, once again um Dean Richards might have um had something to do with his past. I guess he's got a little black book of phone numbers. I also think that even if Mike Brown only has a season or two of good rugby left in him, we've got players like Penny who I'm sure will develop into very capable fullbacks in their own time and having world-class international is definitely only going to help them. Yeah, well, I think that's obviously one element of it, which we touched on in the sense that in terms of his experience and know-how, to have that just in the squad generally is obviously going to be very beneficial. But even if it isn't only a couple of years, then fine, we get two really, you know, good years out of who is, you know, as long as he's injury-free and keeps it form, a really, really good player. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're looking to sort of build your way up the table and establish yourself as a top-six club. You need to sign quality players. Yes, they only stay around for a short period, but the point is they're there to kind of lay the foundations and to, to build upon. So I think in that regard as well, it'll also be very good. Yeah, and we, we saw it a few years ago, the, the year when we um, got into the Heineken Cup, we had players like um, Lawson and um, Hogg, where they were quality players with experience, and that experience actually really helped us close out a lot of very close matches. They made the right decisions, and you could tell that after playing 10 years, or 15 years of rugby in some cases at the highest level, that they knew how to see matches out. Yeah, well, it's all about balance, isn't it? I mean, you have those sort of time experience players and you blend that with the youth that we do have coming through and already establishing themselves in the squad. So, you know, you've got, as your back three, 
Bradwell Stevenson and Brown potentially, which is on paper, never mind anything else, really, really exciting. Indeed. Um, a couple of other ex or current England internationals that have been linked with various moves. Um, Chris Ashton was um, in a couple of rumours, but I think it's now been confirmed he's off to Worcester. That's Interesting, right, yeah. um, Snotty Snotty also seems to be linked with Worcester. Um, I guess his personal problems must have resolved, or Worcester is the answer to them. Yeah, I mean, you know, is it something where he did have a fallout with Richards, or maybe it was because he's talking about personal issues, and on the face of it, I mean, obviously we don't know, but on the face of it, you sort of think, well, you know, how a person is resolved by going to Worcester rather than staying at Newcastle. But it, it could be rugby reasons because Richards could have well said at the start of the season, right, we want to play Radwan and Stevenson because let's face it, you know, as, as fondly as you remember Sinofsi, Sinofsi, he, he didn't have a great season last season. He was on the way down. I think he scored two or three tries last season. Um, so in a sense, that was the a positive in him leaving and that it has given Radwan and Stevenson especially the chance to really shine through and develop and I think even if Sinotti Sinotti was to magically appear in the squad you wouldn't start him would you on um, the basis of, of the current two wingers so um, yeah so it's an interesting one that one yeah I think in the championship Sinotti Sinotti he was very experienced and his defence was solid but he didn't set the championship alight attacking and if you look at him from just three or four years ago the player that he was then sidestepping anything and everything, you would have expected a player of his quality attacking if he still had that quality to have scored tries for fun in the championship and he didn't do so. And I I also think he lost a bit of his pace. I think he still had a step, but his pace wasn't what it once was. So is it worthwhile being a good sidestepper if you can't run the 20, 30 yards once you've beaten your man? Um, I'm not sure. And I think it's, it's a shame the way his... Falcons tenure ended. It would have been nice to give him a rouse and send off if we were allowed on grounds at least. Um, but um, I don't feel that this season he's proved to be a loss. But I, I do enjoy watching him play, and I hope that if he does end up playing at Worcester, then as long as it's not against us, he still um, sets the Premiership alight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we can't really complain. He put in a lot of good years for us. Was there for a long, long time at Kingston Park? Um, yeah, I, I mean. I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, quite frankly, he wasn't the player that he was in his glory days for us a few years ago. And I think him not being in the squad has had in some ways a positive effect. And, you know, if he does end up at Worcester and he gets a few games and he adds to the squad there, then, you know, good luck to him. Yeah, another player that's been doing the rumours mills is Danny Cipriani. Um, I'm not sure quite how strongly he's been linked with Kingston Park. It seems to be there's a lot of people hoping as opposed to things being written based upon fact. Um, are you a hoper or a hope notter? I no, I hope so. Um, you know, I guess kind of similar to what I said about Brown before is when if you're trying to establish yourself as a top six team, you've got to have quality players in there to regularly be in that top six. And if that means having a couple of big names who are you know, older and only be there two to three years, and so be it. Um, Cipriani's quite still obviously an absolutely class player. Um, I mean, even more so than Brown. I think if he was in the, the team, he would definitely improve it. Especially again, it's another position we we need people at, which is fly half. And I, I don't know. I, there's a slight pie in the sky element to it. Um, anything's possible, I suppose. Um, again, he may have. I don't know if he has any contacts with Richard, but Richard obviously has his 
way with some players. Um, and it, I don't think it's impossible. I think another thing is is financially, you know, can, can they afford it? Um, or what is it the case of is just, you know, he wants to play rugby so he's going to enjoy it and play regularly and has a good relationship with players and, and coaches. And maybe Newcastle is that for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope so. I really do hope so. Again, it, it could be next season if it ever does happen. But uh, fingers crossed for that one. Interesting one. Um, it'd be interesting because I think if Cipriani was to come, then Falcons would probably have had the best natural fly halves of the last 20 years in Johnny Wilkinson, Dave Walder, Andy Goode and Danny Cipriani. They're all purely talented rugby players, whereas a lot of fly halves these days, you find that they're very highly coached. They're very good at passing accurately and catching it. But do they have that spark? Can they read the game? Can they just do something different in a moment? And I feel a lot of the people at the highest level, I'm going to criticise Ford and Farrell here, I feel that they're very much drilled fly halves who execute a game plan as opposed to fly halves who play naturally flowing running rugby. Yeah, um, I'd also add Goppo to that list as well, actually. Um, Of course, yeah. I mean, the thing with us is we have always been blessed with really good, generally really, really good fly halves. Um, Obviously, before that, we had Rob Andrew. Well, exactly, yeah. So, I mean... I know we, we moan on about perhaps the kicking isn't that great, which is bizarre when we've just said how great our fly halves have been over the years. But you know, that that is a position where actually the club has always been really, really strong in, which is considering obviously we're not financially the biggest club in the world by any stretch. You know, we've had relegations. We'll, we've generally been near the bottom of the league to have what is potentially the most expensive player on the pitch and to have a good person in that position is actually... You know, it's quite an anomaly, really. It's almost sort of a pub quiz sort of type anomaly question. And also, we've had Toby Flood, of course, I just remembered. that He's well, played yeah, well, numerous well, internationals. Well, Toby Flood now and Toby Flood back in his youth as well. So, yeah, I mean, the, it, it's a whole, almost unbroken chain, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. And there's Tom May in the middle of it. I'm not quite sure on his fly-half credentials. But well, I don't know. I mean, when Tom May was fly-half, he was pretty good. I think I'd check him in as well, actually. Yeah, he was certainly a very good utility <laughs> pack, but... Yeah, it just seems that we've we've been blessed over the years and seeing some really good quality natural fly halves, not the drilled ones. Um, when we're talking about player movements, etc., um, Manu Tulangi, I know, has been linked, but I don't think anything's going to come out of that. But I'm starting to feel that if this Newcastle Falcons team ended up with all these players, it'd be an absolute handful on a night out. There'd be absolute liabilities. You, you've got certain players in the squad already, and I think um, there'd be punch-ups left, right and centre. Curry House is getting wrecked, copious amounts of booze and vomit everywhere, and some brilliant stories on the Monday morning when they all waltz into training. Well, I mean, they can trash up the big market as much as they like. They can they can throw up down the steps of, of the West End and Kingston Park as much as they like, as long as they win every week. So, you know. Yeah, and I don't think Dean Courage would, uh, uh, Dean Courage, Dean Richards would discourage that sort of behaviour either, because I think in this day he enjoyed a good booze up as well. He's obviously got a couple of stories about him in Edinburgh and uh, a certain cup getting kicked down the street. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see a fallout between him and Cipriani, drunken one at that. But, you know. <laughs> uh, moving on to um, slightly different player issue, we've got a couple of people who've very good news for them, but less good news for the Falcons being called up for internationals. Gary Graham and Wilson. Um, if I'm honest, I'm a little bit surprised about Wilson. I, I think he definitely deserves it, but I just thought he'd get overlooked, as he often does. And um, Gary Graham, I think, he's not South African, so it's a surprise that Scotland have picked him. But um, he's been quality all year, and I think he's thoroughly deserved it. Yeah, I mean, both 
have been deserved. I think with Wilson, it was 50-50, really, wasn't it? Because um, previously, he's always been picked in sort of the provisional squads, training squads, and then at least half the time, he's always been sort of dropped or cut from that squad and be sent back to play with us. Um, part of the World Cup, of course, where he starred in that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. It only took him a couple of games to really sort of get his name in there because um, obviously he was out for so, so long and there's a hell of a lot of competition for England in the back row and he took a couple of decent performances and playing for us, of course, because we're normally off to overlooked um, for him to get in that squad. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, as you say, he definitely deserves it. And Graham, I think that was a dead on cert, wasn't it? I mean, he's been superb all season and he must be Scotland's best back row at the moment. So, I mean, I think if there was any chance, unfortunately, he wasn't going to get picked for Scotland. I think it's going to be interesting, though, in the Calcutta Cup match to see if they start and sit there sort of hiding behind the sofa, cringing, and every time they they smash into each other for 80 minutes. I think that um, Wilson's got the advantage of he's kind of utility back rower. He's not like you'd never get Vinopola playing at seven or six. He would only ever be a number eight. And um, you wouldn't get someone like a Toji as your open side, whereas Wilson has the ability to fill in all three of the positions very ably. And when they're going into this eight-week bubble sort of thing for the Six Nations, they need players that can have that flexibility in where they're playing. On that note, um, I do have a slight concern that he is going to be cannon fodder for training camps. And as we remember, last time that happened, he came back with an injury that ruled him out for a few weeks. And I know um, uh, England weren't terribly um, sorry to the Falcons for letting that happen. And the few words might have been said between the club and the country. But let's see what happens this time. I hope he gets a, a good run out for England. Well, fingers crossed. Just hope for best scenario, which is gets a good run out for England, England and the Six Nations, and he comes back a hero, fully fit. Yes. Um, other internationals which we might potentially lose. Um, I don't think Italy have announced their squad yet. Um, I'm not envisaging Fuser getting called up, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, I think elsewhere we're largely safe because we've got mostly an English team. Yeah, I mean, I've saw obviously Ireland and Wales announce their squads, and I don't think we would have any players. I think McGuigan could technically play for Ireland, perhaps. I'm not sure, but. I don't think, yeah. I mean, we mentioned it, I think, maybe in the last episode, certainly a few weeks ago, how we sort of earmarked the players who were potentially at risk. And it was Wilson and Graham who were the most at risk. And obviously that's come to pass, that they have been justifiably selected. But I don't think there's going to be anyone else, is there? No, I shouldn't have thought so. Um, which I hope, well, earlier on in the season when um, Wilson wasn't playing, you didn't think there's a massive hole in that back row. Obviously, it's been extremely good that he has played in the last few games and he's been very able in doing so and shown quite the quality that he is. But I don't think we're necessarily going to lose a lot of quality in him not playing. And I'm wondering whether we'll be able to cover Gary Graham not playing as well, because I think both of them out at the same time is perhaps a bit of an issue. But then, as we've already said, back row is one of the positions where we've got phenomenal depth. Yeah, um I mean, it's it's a sort of fine line, isn't it? Because, as you say, to lose both of them is a real hammer blow. I mean, there's no getting, you know, even though it's good circumstances personally for them, it, it's for the club, it's a hammer blow, especially if you want to keep momentum going um, to try and maintain top four. Um, but, yeah, if there were going to be positions, I suppose, we were to lose two very good players, it, and we can get away with it, throw the back row, because, as you say, we do have really good coverage then i mean example for example when, when collett's come on 
he's never looked out of place. I'm sure you'll probably either start or certainly get on uh, for large periods of games during the Six Nations. Um, so I think we are actually very well blessed in that area, as, as you say. And I think hopefully we can get away with it, but it will be noticeable, um, even if it's sort of in subtle ways. But I think we should hopefully be able to get by, I hope. Fingers crossed. Moving on a bit, it seems that there is now definitely not going to be relegation this year. Um, it's been talked a lot about in the rugby press. I think it's probably because they don't want Gloucester to get relegated and they're currently bottom of the league. I don't think the same discussion would have happened had we been bottom of the league by a few points. But um, it's the way it is. But it seems that teams would be prepared to launch a legal challenge or people are scared of legal repercussions if relegation does occur. I know you're in favour of ring fencing, but I see it very strange that a framework was agreed before the season started and now it's being varied. Well, it was interesting because we also talked about a few weeks ago about how we thought that it was unfair how a certain club gets a certain amount of points when the COVID points should be distributed, especially how the losing team gets two points. Um, and But we made the point of how well they signed up to the rules and the rules are the rules and that's kind of it. But there seems to be some sort of flexibility now or certainly the threat of legal action. Um, as you say, and I think the focus is on the teams actually signed up for that in terms of the legal action. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's common sense, certainly at least for this season, because there's no, you know, there's no, I don't think you can justify finishing bottom of the league because of the COVID points distribution. You just, it's just, it's just wrong in every sense, even if clubs did sign up to it at the start of the season. So I think it's absolutely right decision. I know obviously we, we have different views on, on ring fencing, but I think certainly for this season, it's got to be the right decision, especially as you have no idea what's happening in the championship as well. You, you may not even have a team able to be promoted, just uh, in normal circumstances in that league. So I think it's got to be the right decision, and I'm actually personally quite glad and relieved to see that common sense has prevailed in this case. Another interesting variation that um, has escaped a lot of people, seeing the Premiership Cups back on the cards and they're thinking about doing it midweek. There were all sorts of discussions earlier in the year about whether matches could be rearranged to during the week, and the the comments from the players' unions and the clubs were, we don't want to play on Wednesday nights. And now it seems the Premiership Cup might be happening on Wednesday nights. Obviously, it's aimed at squad players, not first-team players, but you're then making the assumption that teams are going to have 12 front row, for example, and you're going to have squads of getting on for getting on for 60 players which is a phenomenal number of players that clubs are expected to have and if you end up with front row injuries on a Saturday and then the next week you've got to play a match midweek or you have a front row injury from your first team squad on a Friday you're going to be calling up a player that's played midweek and then is expected to play again on the weekend I've done it in the past playing club rugby but this is a professional game and at the start of the year we were told midweek games couldn't happen for various reasons. Um, well, I mean, maybe they listen to our podcast of the week saying they need some sort of competition, but maybe not quite in this format. Um, you, I think you'd have to approach it in the sense you would have to have just completely two separate squads, wouldn't you? You'd have to, I mean, either you you run the risk of, as you say, in that you'll have to have certain players playing at top professional level having to play two games in potentially three or four days, or you just keep two very, very separate squads and you know, if if you've got to sacrifice the Premiership Cup because you can't either fulfil the squad, or if you've just got to play players out of position and just kind of write it off but play the game, then so be it. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, if they're going to do that sort of format, I think clubs will have to make some sort of sacrifices because, as you say, you'd have to 
have absolutely ginormous amounts of huge squads and then you'd have to juggle players which probably in terms of player welfare just, just isn't really right the final thing we mentioned it briefly the championship i think it's still scheduled to start in march saracens have obviously got all their players straight into england as we all expected would happen but um they're doing this kind of two pools with a final sort of situation I'm wondering whether Saracens will get their heads taken off in every single tackle or whether they'll just kind of waltz through it. I'm, I'm thinking it'll be the latter, but I, th- I hope that they get a run for their money because it would be quite amusing if they don't get promoted. I'm, I'm pretty certain they're going to get promoted, despite the, the sort of fun healing result they had a couple of weeks ago when they played a much weakened team. Um, I, no, I think, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, everyone will have a go at them. As, you know, if for many of those players, it'll be the biggest game they'll probably ever play in their professional careers. Um, it'll be, it will, you know, the cliche times ten probably will be absolutely their cup final, probably their World Cup final to play Saracens. And even, you know, even if Saracens don't play entirely a full team, full strength team, I'm sure they'll be, or everyone will be absolutely up for it, and they'll make it tough for them. But I'm sure Saracens' quality will show eventually, and then they'll just either waltz every game or, or at least at the very least, grind out decent wins, I would have thought. It would probably be a procession for them, even if it may be a little difficult for them at times. So, I don't know how we've managed to finish talking about Saracens yet again. Probably my fault. But um, only a short episode this evening. Cheerio, folks. Bye, everyone.